morning. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, dude, so good. So, go. you know what? I feel so, um, so like full. Full? Yeah. Of Asian food, no doubt. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> last, last night, um, I was hanging out with a group of my friends and we made dumplings from scratch. Okay. So we like cut up all the vegetables and ingredients and then cook them up. And then you get like the dumpling skins, like the pieces of dough. And then you put the stuff inside and then you like roll them up and well, you kind of like fold them over and then put little folds and make them look cool. And, and then, yeah, then we cooked them and ate them and it was legendary. That's amazing. It was like the best thing. I'm hungry just listening to it. I've already had breakfast this morning. (laughs) Well, I haven't. So I'm like, uh, well, I'm looking forward to, I'm pretty sure we have more dumpling, dumpling, well, dumpling mix and skins. So they're, they're like chilling. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to eating, making once, more once dumplings. You, once you've made the dumpling into a dumpling, how do you cook? Do you boil it or? Um, we were, you can, you can boil it. There's heaps of ways to cook dumplings. We were like pan frying them. Okay. So you get the pan out, chuck some yep, olive yep, oil yep. on it, fry the bottom, and then you put like a little bit of water in and th- that steams the top. And then you put like the lid on and then, and then, yeah, it's, it is so good. It's like <laughs> the best. It's like. It is, it is, it's, it's like so fun as well because it's like a community, communal thing, you know. You, you need to, you need to have an Asian name. I, I have one. Oh, you have, what is it? Oh, I don't want to tell you. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to call me it in public because it'd just be weird. But I, I have a, I have an Asian name. I have because a when Japanese Asians come name. To, yeah. when, when Asians come to Australia, they take on, you know, a lot of them take on a, a Western name. Not all of them, but yeah. some of them do. Yeah. So I think you should, you hang out with all these well, Asians. You just I, Asian I always make the joke. It's like, we're not so different. You're Asian. I'm Caucasian. It's same. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, oh, it's so good, dude. It's awesome. Ah, fantastic stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're going to start it this morning. And I hope that you are Ready and waiting to get into the quiz. Let's hear what our first question is going to be for our pentathlon. Lawson, go for it. All right, for 100 points, what son of Saul loved his friend David as himself? 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. This is a pretty pretty 100-point quiz question. Uh, but again, that question was, what son of Saul loved his friend David as himself? The prize for that, if you know the answer, is a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker and if you answer correctly you can either get those things or you can put your points on the board continue to sweep your way through the quiz just a reminder if you get every single question correct in the quiz you can win every single prize so again 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer absolutely all right let's talk about some positively different news okay ah, i've got some positively different news here and and it's good, but I also want to talk about something that I think is positive, but not, might not seem positive from the outside. I want to talk about Facebook. I want to talk about everything that's been happening with Facebook lately because it's actually it's negative for them, but it's positive for us. Okay, I was going to say Facebook and positive. Okay, so if you didn't know, a couple of days ago, um, Facebook had the biggest stock market decrease of all time. 
Like, yes. they lost 26% of their shares, which is like, oh, that's 26%. That's not that much. That's a quarter. But that's, that's uh, over a quarter. But there are some, there are some stocks that completely die overnight. Sure. Okay, so they but lost. This is not like a uh, fly by night company. But this is the thing. The 26.4% that they lost overnight equals $230 billion. Yeah, which is the quick, like, gosh. which is the largest stock market price drop, like, of all time ever. Now, when, when the, pr- when, when the price of a stock drops, like, that represents, you know, people kind of selling out of the company and whatnot. And, and the question is, like, why? Why is it dropping? What led to people, like, losing faith in Facebook and in one day just abandoning ship? Um, and the reason is, and this is, I, I believe this is actually a good reason. The belief, the reason is because of something that Apple did. Apple did something and that led to this big price drop. What Apple did was recently Apple have been on this big crusade about privacy, about giving users privacy. Okay. Yes. And what they've done is Apple over, has, has made uh, what, what we call like cookies or like app tracking, like the tracking of your online activity so that companies like Facebook can market to you. Because Facebook, by the way, makes the majority of its money through marketing by people wanting to be on their platform because you don't have to pay to be on Facebook. But if you want to market on Facebook, you have to pay. And that's where they make their money. That's their business model. That's why they own WhatsApp and Instagram and all those different things. It's, it's through marketing. That's yes. how they make money, 100%. Right. But what Apple have done is that they've just brought in with their new iOS, their new update, that app tracking is no longer um, opt-out, so it would be automatically on, and you had to opt-out of it. Now, app tracking is opt-in. And so, (gasps) users of Apple products can say, like, from the outset, no, I don't want to be tracked by Facebook. And being that Apple is, like, you know, one of five other companies, like, because, like, the biggest companies in the world at the moment that have the the monopoly over everything else is Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Amazon, um, and uh, Microsoft, and and, and Apple. Okay. Apple being having the largest market share within the phone space and the computer space and all those different things, other than, like, Microsoft and and Google, um, like, one of the big players has said, oh, they're basically completely crippled Facebook's business because Facebook only makes money through advertising and tracking what you do. And now Apple have said, oh, you no longer have the ability to do that, Facebook. And so that's why they've lost all this money. So this is actually good news. It is. Um, it's, it's, it's a relief to the customer. And, mm. you know, it. I, I got rid of Facebook off of my phone year or so ago just mm-hmm. because I was totally so over it and sick of it. Yeah. I was just like, seriously, just get out of my life. Does that mean like the conditions on Facebook of, you know, people voicing opinions and all that kind of like, the, the, I think there a lot of the reason why people leave Facebook there was, is- There was all of those issues as well. Um, but this is just one of them. But this is, is you just get sick of, you just get sick of being owned by Facebook. That's right. And now like they- they essentially they've they have no good, ability to very good marketing by Apple and you know it gives people a reason to you know if you're going to like look at well this phone or that phone or the other phone well this phone is automatically blocks <laughs> being Facebook tracked by track by companies by companies yeah that's right that's so, awesome so the thing is like on the other side you have like Google and it's like oh well Google make a ton of money through advertising like YouTube you don't pay to watch YouTube you like. It makes money through ads and through ad tracking and whatnot. But the difference is, is that Google has business in a lot of 
other areas other than advertising. Plus, Google make their own phones through Android that don't have this. Well, you have the, this is the thing with these phones. You have the option to opt out. But when, like, you automatically are opted out and you have to opt in, well, then no one will make that decision. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, yeah, yes, like... no one on the planet is ever going to opt in. That's right. Oh, please send me advertising, targeted advertising. No, go that, away. Get out of my life. That's correct. Don't track me. Yeah, so, so Google is staying afloat through this, but Facebook is just, like, is... Now they're kind of sliding. Now it's like, if they've lost such a big portion of their business, how, how are they going to continue to to make money and now you know with their whole like branding transition to meta it's like like which doesn't even really exist yet no one kind of knows what it is like this whole metaverse thing i don't know if this is oh it's a very interesting we're seeing that like facebook is becoming the runt of the litter out of these five big the five big companies facebook is now starting to struggle so we zuckerberg's been one of the top three wealthiest people in the world there for a while for for, you know five years or so Yeah. yeah so it's gonna slump it's going to disappear. Like, well, we'll you're see what happens. To, you're going to be down to number 10. Tragedy. <laughs> well, you know, I think with these things like companies, it's it's like a slow process for, for companies to crash. But we're seeing – this is the thing. It's like a buildup of decisions that ultimately lead to like one day the company just pff, falls off. And we're kind of seeing that trend at the moment with Facebook. And so we – I guess we'll see in the future if they have a way to bounce back from this. And it's interesting to see the evolution of technology because – you know, what what you see here is Apple is not doing this because they have a social conscience. Yes. Apple is doing this because they know that people will buy their product and spend money on their product <laughs> if they do this. And they gain market share. And they gain market share. Like against you Facebook, know, it's just, it's just against as, Google. Like It's just as simple as that. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, it may not be, be being done for altruistic reasons, but... It's, it's good for us. It's, it's interesting <laughs> to see how it evolves. That's right. That's right. Okay. Oh, I only have a couple of minutes to talk about in other health news. Oh, when, when I read this, I rejoiced in my heart because I always knew it was true. And now we have definitive proof that higher olive oil intake is associated which, with much lower risk of death from various diseases. Lifestyle diseases, like in particular cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, cancer, all kinds of things, neurodegenerative diseases, respiratory diseases. This study is actually recommending that you consume more olive oil, which is fantastic because olive oil is the bomb. Like olive oil is the greatest thing ever. In fact, when I lived in Europe, most breakfast was just bread and olive oil. And, but then there's like, you know, a little, little thing within me. It's like, oh. Um, is this healthy? Well, it turns out it is. Um, there was a study that was done. Over with, uh, you know, Ellen White did say this like 150 years ago or something or other. Yeah, but now now we have the prophetic word confirmed. Life. Yes, <laughs> like through through study and research, they did. Um, they did a study of 60,000 women and 31,000 men who um were all free from cardiovascular disease and cancer as the study baseline. They had all all overcome these diseases and then they tracked like their diets and over the period of like 30 years and they've ultimately come out with a conclusion which is if you eat a couple of tablespoons of olive oil a day um as a part of your food and even more they're saying like you should really just get into it um you will be blessed your health will be blessed you will be fighting diseases you know bare-knuckle boxing those things out of your life. So just do it in your pasta, in your dumplings, in your whatever it may be that you make and will consume. Get into it. Olive oil is the stuff. Yes, obviously unheated olive oil. 
Yes, yeah. unheated olive oil. <laughs> unheated olive oil. This does not mean that you can. I, go I and didn't deep read fry. that in the study. You can go and deep fry all of your food. Just well, it's olive oil. It's <laughs> no unheated olive oil. Unheated. What happens if you heat it up? Does it no. make it work? Yeah, it it makes it really, really talk bad. To, talk to Doctor John Ashton when he comes back. On yeah. That okay. One. Fair enough. <laughs> but that's the thing, dude. Oh, chucking olive oil. As you say, as you say you know, your oil. breakfast in in Europe, where you have a piece of bread and put a olive oil on. That's 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 the ideal, right there. It is. So, guys, get into it. right you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here mm. on the Breakfast Show, I have a story coming up that you will not want to miss. I've just been researching this one as it has just been breaking. Oh wow! Stay tuned. Oh. Let's have the pentathlon quiz. <laughs> All right, for two hundred points, what do the people of Gerasinus, 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 ask Jesus to do after he cast the legion of demons out of a possessed man into a herd of pigs. So, Jesus, he's in Gerasinus, he casts a legion of demons out of some pigs. What do they ask him to do? Zero four. 91064669 is the number to call. For 200 points, you can win an issue of Science Magazine or get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. Okay, so this is a story that's coming through on uh, a site called Christian Headlines. This is a uh, uh, mainstream Christian media site. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a mainstream Christian news media site. Um, and it's talking about a group called the Liberty Council Action. Now, Liberty Council Action is a non-profit, non-denominational legal organization in the United States which uh, specializes in religious liberty. Mm. And uh, they've come up with this concerning story where they have a record of 55 federal departments that are tracking employees and applicants uh, based on their religion and the exemptions that they have applied for based on their religion. Okay. So that's a little bit concerning. Now, what happened was to enable this to take place, they've now now found and tracked down 57 rule changes that these federal departments, various federal departments have made to enable them to do so. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, yeah, really? Well, whatever, they're, they're, they're like, you're an Adventist, you're a Baptist, you're a Muslim, whatever, who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's interesting is to note how that they are tracking them. Uh, now, now... Here's how it all began. It began during the COVID mandates because there were, you know, obviously a lot of religious people who were claiming uh, religi- religious exemption from the mandates based on freedom of conscience, which you mm-hmm. have in the United States, mm-hmm. and religious liberty. Mm-hmm. And so they became concerned about that. There's like there's a public health crisis, so we need to keep track on this, so we need to make some changes to our rules so that we can do so. And, you know, the whole way through this crisis... I, what I've been saying is that, you know, we should not be so worried about, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned about, you know, the the changes that they're making because of COVID. I'm concerned about the precedences that are being set, mm. because the Bible doesn't talk specifically about COVID. The Bible doesn't talk specifically about masks or vaccines or any of these kind of things. But the Bible does talk about precedents that are being set. And so now that COVID is kind of, you know, waning and disappearing and vanishing out of the news. I mean, it's still here in Australia, but that's because we haven't had it for so long. Uh, but in the United States, you know, everybody, it's it's old news. Yeah. Uh, very, very much old news. And so now they've made all of these rule changes 
because of the mandates, mm-hmm. and now they're using them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now they're being used to track people who are asking for Sundays and Sabbaths as a time for religious observance. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, people that, that, that don't want to work. Okay, so going to another mainstream Christian news um, site, the uh, news, news agency, the Christian Post, uh, they have this to say. According to the Christian Post, the advocacy organisation warned that these rules are raising serious concern about invasion, invasive privacy violations by the federal government recording and permanently storing religious and medical data on those seeking exemptions. These are exemptions from work on Saturdays and Sundays mm-hmm. uh, for observance, for religious observance. Uh, for instance, the Treasury Department's Office of Civil Rights and Diversity announced that it will record all religious exemption requests and denials. Mm-hmm. The office will, re- will track and maintain information about a request's religious beliefs as well as the informal dispute resolution of each person. That's the Liberty Council Action uh, press release. Our correspondence, supporting notes and documentation and records of oral conversations of individuals seeking exemptions will be recorded. This database will track and record this level of information for everyone from pre-employment. From pre-employment. Okay, so, so cop this. You go for an interview, right? Uh-huh. Regardless of whether you get the job or not. Uh-huh. If you say in the interview, hey, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, don't work on Saturdays, is going on your record. It's yeah. It's permanently recorded. Why do that? Why do they need that? This is the question that's going through my mind. Is why do they need this information? Mm. What are they going to use this in the future for? How do you actually use information like that? Mm. Anyway, uh, continuing on here, the database uh, correspondents uh, from pre-employment during current or former employment. So if you come along and say, well, you know, I had a religious exemption here. They're going to go back and they're going to investigate that and they're going to track that as well. Mm. Uh, Or for attendees at a particular event. All right, so so you're not employed there. Okay. You just turn up at an event. Uh Uh-huh. You come to the Christmas party. Uh Uh-huh. Your religious exemptions are going to be recorded. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yikes. So you're not employed there, but say, let's say your girlfriend is employed there, not that Lawson has a girlfriend. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> but your girlfriend is employed there, so you go to the Christmas party as her mm-hmm. plus one, mm-hmm. and suddenly you get recorded because you're a Sabbath keeper. This is, this is, this is not any, like, weird... This is, this is mainstream media out here. Meanwhile, the US Army will be storing biometric data, such as fingerprints and digital photographs in connection with its employees' religious preference. Okay. Now, I don't mind if they take my DNA. I don't mind if they take it, you know, a swab out of my mouth and take my fingerprint and take my photograph if I'm in the military for whatever reason. Well, once you, but when, my question is, why do they need it in relationship to my religious exemptions? Well, I, I feel like, okay, when I went to the United States in 2008, I had to do my fingerprints, like to enter the country, right? Like that's 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 normal. Like as 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 a, as a yeah. person coming in, um, I don't I don't I've never had that experience in Australia, but as someone entering the United States, 
I had to do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that now they're just adding a religious tag onto that all that information. That okay, so that's in the army. So let's talk about uh, Department of Homeland Security then. Same okay, you, oh, you, okay, you, yes, you were yes, yes. About you know traveling to the United States. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They've imp- implemented a new rule that will allow it to track employees, contractors, subcontractors, and certain private employees seeking religious accommodations. The database can include personal information, audio conversations, and photos, and that information can be shared with any branch of the government and even foreign. Nations. <laughs> this is this is wild stuff. Um, yeah, we could. Uh, the, okay, so so the, the big question is, you know, why? What? What? Yeah, what is this information what necessarily? Is, that's right. What for? are they going to use that for? You know, why do they need to know which day of the week that I worship on, and whether I like to have that day off as a day of worship, mm. regardless of what day that is? You know, if it's if you know some Muslims like to have Friday off as their day of worship, um, uh, some Christians and Jewish people obviously like to have Saturday off. We mm. like to have Saturday off. Mm-hmm. Other Christians like to have Sunday off as their day of worship, mm-hmm. and we can you know you know all claim religious exemptions for that in the United States, but. Why is that anyone's business? Now, from my personal perspective, it's like, yes, I worship on Saturdays. Please take my fingerprint and my DNA because mm-hmm. that's who I am and that's what I publicly stand for. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, put my hand up and, and, and publicly confess that that's how I choose to honor Jesus Christ who died and gave his life for mm-hmm. me. But there is this thing called Revelation 13. Yes. And when I read Revelation 13, and when I see religion being enforced at the end of time, mm. particularly religion in relationship to you know, days of worship, mm. and in such a global and like globalistic and controlling sense as well, and you know this is something that I've been reading and studying and preaching about mm. for what thirty, forty years now. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of starting to happen. It's a little bit shocking. It's like, I can't believe that's happening. Well, why should I be shocked? Mm. Um, I shouldn't have been preaching about it if I didn't believe it was going to happen. <laughs> but uh, there it is right there, the mainstream media. I'm um, talking about it right here. I did say I was going to talk about that uh, church in Western Australia where the uh, police broke in. Well, they broke in. They just opened the front door and came marching down the aisle in the middle of the service and checking people for masks. Oof. That would be pretty confronting. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, wow, interesting times in which that was in Hawthorne, uh, in Western Australia. Mm. I think it was a Catholic church from memory, but I could be wrong on that one. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on the Breakfast Show, we're about to have our 300 pointer, Lawson. What do you got for us? All right, for 300 points, why did Adam call his wife Eve? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer for three hundred points. You can win yourself a pocket sermon or get those points on the board. Continue to sweep your way through. But again, simply that question was: Why did Adam call his wife Eve? There you go. If you know the answer, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is uh, somebody that. I've spent a little bit of time with recently and been quite impressed with what they're doing. And it is Rue Scale from Dalhunty Park. Rue, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. My official name is uh, Rodney, but you can call me Rue. That's what uh, all my friends call me. That's my childhood name. Yeah, well, see, I've never heard you called Rodney ever by anyone. So um, I did know that you had a real name there somewhere along the line, but... um, 
when it comes to running your business, do you go by Rodney or do you go by Rue? I have to, I have to know the answer to this one. Well, my um, official name, my uh, administrative name is, is Rodney, um, but um, when I'm working with kids, it, it's Rue. Okay, and that really brings us to the subject of what we're talking about today because you mentioned that you're working with kids and your family actually has a long history of working with troubled uh, kids. How far back does that history go? That you, you, Because obviously your dad started this when you would have been a kid, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah well... With troubled it, children. Yeah, well, it started before, before I was uh, even thought of. Um, my dad had a, a bit of a troubled uh, youth growing up. His uh, parents separated when he was a kid. Um, that was, yeah back in the uh, early 40s um, or even late 30s. And, um, yeah, he um, was involved in in youth work. He was a youth leader at a uh, church in Melbourne um, and had some kids there that that were getting into the wrong stuff. And he um, decided he'd go into full-time youth ministry, um, got married, and, um, yeah, some um, 50 years later. Okay, so that's that's going back quite a few years now. And, of course, I first met your dad when he was running Dalhunty Park down in Victoria, uh, which was, you know, a, a specialised facility for troubled young people, for kids, teenagers, um, you know, those that, that kind of age bracket. And... Uh, what was the what was the lead up to Dalhunty Park? Because obviously, you know, you don't start off with a specialised facility. What was the vision for that? You know, because you developed really a unique form of therapy there that has been just outstandingly successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this something that he was able to, you know, copy from somewhere else, or was this something that he initiated himself and recognised, you know, what it, what it took to really reach out to these young people? Yeah, well, it was, I guess, a combination. Um... In the first six years of, of my life, um, we spent touring Australia. Um, when Dad left the, the youth work, should I say, the, the youth leader work in a, um, in a, in a small uh, out-of-city church in Melbourne to um, tour Australia to help kids in crisis. He went to um, you know, lots, lots of rock concerts and um, alternate living type places, hippie communes, and saw that there was a greater need more than just uh, information and um, and counselling. There was more of a, uh, a need for an in-house program. And um, it, we've got to set up a centre when we get back. And so um, after a six-month program that took six years, they then founded uh, Delhunty Youth Care Centre. Uh, well, actually, was running a landscape business that supported the youth work and then would have been in the late um, 80s that Dad founded uh, the centre, Delhunty, uh, Delhunty Park Youth Care and Lifestyle Centre, uh, where it could help kids in crisis. Your dad was outstandingly successful in what he did. Did he have formal training in this area or was this something that he learnt by practice in the School of Hard Knocks and where he'd come from in his own life experience? Uh, yeah, uh, he, his, um, he always said it quite proudly that he had a... Um, a, a BMC degree, that was a Bachelor of Milking Cows. He learned a lot, I guess, like um, a lot of Bible characters, learn a lot by working with animals. Um, you know, I know of a great hero that took, you know, millions of people across the desert after uh, learning 40 years of 
uh, tending sheep. So yeah, Dad, Dad used his um, his credentials of, of milking cows to, to work out how how people work and um, yeah, and and the great love for people. Yeah, and, and the hunt has been well recognised you know, right across Australia by many different organisations uh, for its success. Um, you, you mentioned there that you, you, you after spending six years um, travelling around Australia working with troubled young people, you came back, established Dalhunty Park in, uh, in, in Victoria. Now, tell us yep. a little bit about um, the philosophy behind Dalhunty Park. I mean, we obviously Dalhunty Park, you're now operating it. Um, it's now, now in Bulladeela, but we're going to come to that. Yep. Um, tell us about the philosophy behind it, how it works, why it works, what you actually do with young people that are struggling with, you know, obviously emotional issues. They've got, you know, come from broken homes. There's addiction yep. issues. There is abuse. Uh, so many things that young people have to deal with in their lives these days. You take them in and put them through your program. What kind of a program is it? What kind of a philosophy is it? Why and how does it work? Yeah, well, I, I guess it comes from, from a, you know, a basic principle of, I guess there's a, I get a forgotten people, you know, we, we do a lot with, um, with, with pediatrics, you know, there's a whole lot of funding for, for, um, you know, leukemia foundation, things like that. But there's a, there's a great group of people that are, um, you know, falling off the radar. Um, and that is the young people, you know, the age of, of 10 to 18, um, you know, there's hundred hundred people last year that committed suicide, um, and the word suicide is you know not a not a word that is spoken of too much. It's not a a word to be to be proud of. Um, so yeah, the the principles that we work on is basically there's a group of people um, that don't have dads, um, that don't have a, a very good um, trust basis. They've been abused. Um, you know, whether it be through domestic violence or just mum and dad fighting or, or they've, you know, been a victim of, of the system, been, you know, in foster or whatever. Um, and so I guess it's a, a, a total health principle. We change the diet. We know that food and mood, um, you know, has, has a, has a great impact. So we change the diet. We, um, give them exercise. The first, you know, when we run a, a group therapy the first thing in the morning at six o'clock we are all jumping in the in the pond at you know 15 degrees um as, as a good uh, mental health booster um and i guess the bottom line is we show them the love of god that they've never seen before through great trust we have a whole lot of activities that cause them to trust um you know we've got a 30 meter abseil wall where once you're up there, you think that, you know, suicide might be a better option. Um, I've had kids that have, you know, tried to commit suicide on multiple times, get up there and saying, well, this is worse than anything that I've attempted. Um, you know, what are you going to do with me here? And I said, you're just going to stand beside me and you're going to trust me through this. Um, so, yeah, we get a 90, I think the statistics are about a 98% success rate of, of helping kids. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Now, when you talk about um, okay, so you talk about building trust with young people, and that's just in- incredibly important. The young people that are coming through this program, do they not know how to trust other people? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, one, they don't know how to trust themselves because that's been handed into them. You know, I just think of one guy that was come through our, our program. He was brought up being called stupid. His name was Steve, but he made some silly mistakes. And even as a young fellow, his dad called him stupid. So he grew up, you know, hi, I'm stupid. What's your name? Like, um, there's no confidence in that. And, um, yeah, society is, is you know, the self-worth. Um, society is just hounding people into thinking that they're not much at all. Um, there's not a lot of people that think or know how much their, their maker loves them. Um, so, yeah, living by design is one of the principles I like to, to share with them. Um, you know, let them know that they they are loved, they are cherished, and they, they do have a self-worth. So trust is one of the things that we like to, to build in them. Um, young 18-year-old that was with us just before Christmas spent a lot of his childhood locked in a kitchen cupboard because he wasn't um, appreciated around as a, as a young fella. He had uh, up to seven dads, yeah. Yeah, some of these poor kids must have some pretty wild stories that they, um, that they come from. Um, you also do a, a bunch of team-building um, activities there. Yeah. Um, what's, what's behind that and how does that actually work? Yeah, well, everything we do is based upon building community and building building teamwork. You know, every activity we have. Um, some of the psychologists that come through say you've got an excellent toolbox to be able to work with um, because we're able to reach kids on a, on a level that you can't in a clinical setting. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of t- team-building activities where – we try and build back that, that bonding that humans were designed to have. You know, there's many, many studies. I have, you know, a nursing background. I love science. And there's a lot of data to show that the stronger the community, the stronger your health. Um, so we try and build that back. You know, corona and isolation has definitely destroyed a whole lot of that. Our suicide rate has increased um, over the last two years, especially amongst young people. So team building is one of the things where we're rubbing shoulders, we are leaning on each other, we're helping each other through the situation, whatever the task might be, you know, a team swing or a, or a walk on a, a wobbly wire or, or anything like that. And this is one of the things that, you know, you've got right all, all over Dalhundi Park is you've got all of these, I guess you'd call them adventure uh, adventure therapy activities. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, adventure-based learning we call it, yeah. And so I look at it and I experienced it as a young person down at your dad's um, Dalhunty Park down in Victoria and, you know, so much fun but at the same time absolutely terrifying. Um, Yeah. What's behind getting these kids so scared? Well, I I guess, you know, using my my nursing background, PTSD is one of the things that is so real where you can relive the experience because of the trauma that you went through, that emotional roller coaster that you went through during that traumatic experience sticks in your mind and you relive that trauma until you get you know, some serious help or get through it. And I guess we use the same principle um, where it is quite traumatic to be you know, 30 metres above ground level and looking down thinking, well, this is 
too big for me. Um, but when you're teaching trust and showing love through through that experience, you can then, you know, with, with harnesses and ropes being, you know, I'd say 100% safe, you can then teach the principles of, of good mental health that goes straight through the filter system and, and they're embedded in, into the long-term memory that I am trusted, I am cared for, and I am scared, but I'll be able to get through this. Mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's interesting what the psychologists have said, you know, that you've got a, a, a toolbox there that they don't have. I mean, you know, so many of these young people, they get sent off to counselling and they sit in a room with, you know, four square walls and talk yep. to somebody, um, whereas you don't sit them in a room with four square walls, you take them out into the bush. Yeah, 200 acres of it right, that we've got here surrounded by State Forest and National Park. How much State Forest and National Park on your boundaries? Uh, yeah, four boundaries, three of them are State Park and National Park. And, and, and how many acres of how many acres of that public land would there be there? Like how many acres? I think there's forty thousand. Forty thousand. Yeah. Okay. So you've got plenty of uh, plenty of room and plenty of space there to uh, to get kids out doing stuff. So tell us yeah. about um, Dalhundi to Park Bulladila, and give us a bit of background. I mean, this is a, a much newer one than the Victorian uh, campus, yeah. and uh, yeah. just give us a quick background of what you've been doing there and what the future holds. Yeah, well, the, the background was mum and dad um, put, it to, put it to the table to all, our, all my siblings, um, all their offspring, saying, you know, we're getting old. This was when they were in their late 50s, 60s. Um, said, you know, we've had enough of, of um, you know, having the door open 24-7 in Victoria. You know, we'd like to, you know, move on. You know, do you guys want to take on? And dad's shoes. Were, were so big, you know, he was, had the phone on 24-7. There was never a time where he wouldn't take um, take a call and no one wanted to take up the, the mantle and um, and so they sold Delhunty in, in Victoria and um, Dad was looking for a place to, you know, settle, retire, um, slow down a little bit and uh, loved the, the ruggedness of this place just north of Newcastle called Bulladilla. And um, that was back in 2011, purchased the property and I guess went to church and let people know in the community of what he used to do. And they said, well, you need to do something here. So Dad's retirement came back into a full force. Um, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Me being a nurse came to look after Dad. That was, yeah, 18 months ago. And, um, yeah, it's taken, taken over where Dad left off. And so we're still in the infancy um, compared to what we used to have back in Victoria. We used to have a whole lot of infrastructure set up and, and a program that was running where we worked with juvenile justice, we worked with the prison system, we worked with school groups, we worked with church groups, we worked with sporting clubs, we had you know state league um, you know football or AFL um, for the uh, Victorian listeners. Um, and so here we in Victoria, we're just about to sign off with council um, to have our, our DA approved where we'll be able to run on a smaller scale. We will have a whole lot more scope in Victoria, but yeah, on a smaller scale, we can run a whole lot more programs here in New South Wales. So the Bulladilla um, campus that you've got there at the moment, you know, you talk about it being a smaller scale. 
Um, is is there the potential to build that up to be as big or bigger than what was happening in Victoria at some particular point? Um, it will be bigger, but not on site. Uh, we're limited here with our eco-sensitive um, you know, national park and state forest around us. Um, we have some uh, endangered species on our property, um, the rainforest and the like. We're not able to do what we would like to do. Um, you know, in Victoria, we often had you know, open days where we had up to 5,000 people come through the property to, um, you know, to experience a, a taste of Dahanti, where here we might be limited to 100. Sure. Okay. Well, it's fantastic to hear what you're doing up there, uh, Rodney, or I, sh- I should say uh, Roosgale, because that's the name that I know you by. Um, that's right. Unfortunately, we are out of time here on The Breakfast Show, but it is just well, amazing well, what you guys are doing. Yeah, sorry, Lyle will have to have part two. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to have you come back on for part two. There is so much more that we could talk about. We'd love to hear some of the stories of young people's lives that have been changed and people you've you've uh, come in contact with. And, uh, you know, when you talk about all of the different organisations that you've worked with or your dad has worked with in the past, uh, clearly very, very successful program, if not the most successful program I've ever seen uh, for working with troubled young people. Uh, right now we need to move on with the shows. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.